That's good. Live links posted everywhere. My goodness, this heat is phenomenal, but we will survive. There we go. Yep. Oh my, it's 8.15. I think we need to start right away. Okay. So let me push this link live on Facebook. Go live. Okay, thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything. We thank you, Lord, for an awesome day. Thank you for an awesome week. Thank you for an awesome month. Thank you for an amazing season. Thank you for a great year. Thank you for all that you have planned for us. You have set us up for success in every single way, Lord Jesus. We say thank you. We glorify, we magnify, we adore you, we exalt you. We say your name is above all others. We give you the glory and the honor every single thing we're about to break into lord jesus by your love by your grace in jesus name hallelujah amen well hello everyone trust y'all are doing good uh, my name is francis Seabor jr i'm a member of the cable Dumont family and on behalf of um cable Dumont, i want to welcome you to word for now let me get that flyer up real quick Yes, this is Word for Now, um, um, our Monday and Wednesday expression of the Crystal Rivers. Um, we've been instructed to keep this um, weekday meeting every evening. Hallelujah. Okay, for some reason, okay, there we go. I think it's stopped now. All right, cool. Okay, so we're good. Awesome. All right. Well, welcome everyone. Hope you all have had a great time. Hope you guys were blessed. I was on open book yesterday. I hope um, I didn't scare people away. <laughs> That's why people aren't around today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. So um, we're kind of concluding on everything we've been on for the past few weeks. I think about, it's about a month now. It's over a month because right after the um, um, Watchman Prophetic Conference, with the fly on the screen, Right after the Watchman Prophetic Conference, we switched gears and we jumped into the feasts, um, the seven feasts of Israel. Hallelujah. Y'all give me one second here. Give me one second. Okay, I think that's taken care of. We can jump right in. Okay. All right. I think we're good to go. Uh, without much to do, we're just going to jump into today. Um, we have been talking about the Feast of Israel. Amen. Am I, I am not recording. Oh, dear. There we go. Not recording. Okay. So we've been talking about the Feast of Israel. Amen. 
is a special emphasis um, on how the feasts of Israel are key to the ending of this age. In other words, like we said before, the thing that's going to trigger the end of this age is the completion of man's purpose, as far as this age is concerned. We can see that from Genesis chapter 1, from verse 26. Oh, I love this. Um, there we go. 26 says here, the Lord said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps along the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air. Now we've discussed um, time and time again, even during our Open Heavens Prophetic Conference. Do I have the graphic for that real quick? Let me see if I can get that out. I don't think I have that, do I? Which I do, there it is. Ecosystem of the age to come, right? That was a major emphasis in our Open Heavens Conference, amen, where we hammered, amen, our dominion, right? Our relationship with creation, our relationship with the subjects um, that the Lord has given to us, amen, for us to steward, control, administ administrate, govern, amen. And um, that emphasis was laid, you know, very heavily during that conference as a consequence of coming into the image and likeness of God. So we showed how when all of these things are completed, um, then the day, the sixth day, the day when um, God wants to create man in his image after his likeness, that day will be completed and we can enter into the seventh day. Amen. God has entered into the seventh day, but we in creation have not entered the seventh day yet. And essentially what that simply means is that man has not come into the fullness and likeness of God. The only man that looks like God right now, amen, his entirety is Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we are in him and that's why he is our fullness, right? We are complete in him. Amen. But the Lord wants that fullness to be made manifest. Uh, we spoke yesterday during an open book, for example, about how Christ in us is the hope of glory. The hope that is seen is no longer hope. In other words, Christ in us, amen, God wants us to be glorified. God doesn't want us to just stay in hope. God wants our hope to be tangible, right? And that's what faith is, the substance of things hoped for. And God wants us to go from, um, from that to living out the fullness of everything, amen? So those who live by faith, who live by the substance of things hoped for, the Bible says the righteousness of God is revealed to them, amen? And this is something that we spoke about extensively during the Open Heavens Conference. Hallelujah. And that's what I'm trying to say here is that for the age that we're in to end, man must look like God. Man must look like Jesus. And we've shown how the seven feasts are necessary for humanity to come into this. Amen. We've shown that even for the rebellious to be dealt with. Amen. The seven feasts will be partaken of by those who refuse to be rebellious. Amen. And I believe that's you and I. Amen. Our goal and our journey, amen, is to come into this fullness and unlike that's fullness image and likeness of God at which um which is seen at the conclusion of the seven feasts now let me put the graphic on the screen so we can see that for reference um the seven feasts of Israel I'm going to redo this graphic in a higher definition in a more um, appealing way but the seven feasts of Israel we've explained it before right Passover unleavened bread first fruits amen Pentecost tabernacles atonement trumpets amen um I think I said that all of them Pentecost right yeah all seven of them these seven feasts, amen, they correspond, amen, to different things that happen in Israel's history, but they also correspond or they also have a fulfillment in our lives. And 
our journey through all of these seven feasts brings us into what the Bible refers to as the acceptable year of the Lord. We see this in Luke chapter four. Jesus Christ made mention of this in Luke four from verse, um, let me see here. Um, he said, the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let's see here. Ah, from verse eight. Let's start from verse 17. Luke, yes, that's it. From verse 17. And let's go. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the, to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So there is the good year of the Lord, there's the acceptable year of the Lord, and then there's the perfect year of the Lord, right? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, that which is acceptable in the sight of God. That year of the Lord is the year, amen, that the seven feasts are partaken of. But to do that, the Spirit of the Lord has to rest upon you, amen, hallelujah, to proclaim liberty to the captive, recover your sight to the blind, amen, to preach the gospel to the poor, amen, to do all of these things. Jesus Christ was speaking as though he was a member of the Manchild Company, because that is actually what the Manchild Company is going to be doing. Amen. They're going to be doing literally every single thing that you're seeing right here. Amen. If I give you jump to that portion of scripture that he's quoting is in Isaiah 61. He says here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Amen. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to pro proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the day of vengeance, yes, and the day of vengeance of our God. Mm, I love that. Wow, I just saw something I haven't seen before. Huh, okay, that's cool. To comfort all who mourn, hmm, to console those who mount. This reminds me of the prayer of the saints when the sixth seal, when the um, fifth seal is broken. Remember when the, the guys were like, how much longer, O Lord, holy and true, does Thou not judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. I'm just seeing that vengeance captured right here, right? When, it's, when it says here, the day of vengeance of our God. That's what they're looking for. That's so cool. I, I, when I said that, anyways, let me keep on going here. <laughs> the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, hmm. the desolation, oh, thank God there's light, hallelujah, we can save money. The desolations of many generations, fuel is really expensive where I stay, and our generator is massive, so it takes a lot to buy fuel. Um, strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of your foreigners, I don't think I need to get into any of this, but you shall be named the priests of the Lord, they shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory, you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Let me see here. Is that everything? Instead of confusion, I think that's all we need to look at right now. Hallelujah. I don't know if you saw those verses, amen, where um, the Lord was very clearly showing that this, like right there, that is what the Manchild Company is going to be doing, right? And they come into that estate because they have fully partaken of the seven feasts of Israel. I explained, I think the one before Pastor Lee Matthews came, 
that the feast of um, feast of atonement will be something that the entire body will partake of. Amen. When I say partake of, oh man, I need to phrase that correctly. And how do I phrase this now? What we call the rapture event, amen, what we call the rapture is what we see in the day of atonement. That's one minute, when the entire body is reconciled together, amen. You're going to see Jesus Christ showing up on the earth. You're going to see the cloud of witnesses showing up on the earth as well. Everyone will be fully present. And at the same time, those who are on the earth are going to have, and should have been experiencing, to be very honest with you, unhindered access to the heavenlies as well, amen. And when I say unhindered access, um, they're going to be restored to that a state that Adam was in where he had access to the Garden of Eden. And it wasn't because it was a prophet. That was a reality that he just walked and lived in. Amen. And what's going to be happening is that right before Jesus Christ comes back at the day of, on the day of atonement, when Jesus Christ does come back, amen, we're going to see our ancestors show up on the earth. We'll see Enoch physically. We're going to see Abraham physically, David, Joseph. Amen. We're going to see all of these saints of old upon the earth. And we're going to see them on the earth, amen, because of all of us must partake of the day of atonement together. Amen. Now, as we partake of that at one minute, amen, then comes the triggering of the millennial of the 1000 year reign. Hallelujah. So you can see what we call the great tribulation is in between the feast of trumpets, amen, and the day of atonement. You can see that from everything I've shared so far. Amen. Okay. And please, if you have questions about these things, do not be afraid to ask them. Amen. Don't be afraid to ask these questions. If you have genuine questions, don't ask like random stuff, <laughs> amen. And you're more than welcome to, um, if you feel like I haven't explained something really well, we can go back. And I'm saying that because oftentimes when we spend enough time on something that is not clearly understood, the Lord releases new things that you know may not have been uttered before or things may be said in a way that is completely new that could minister understanding. So don't be afraid to ask questions if you don't understand, hallelujah. So moving right along, um after the feast of atonement then comes the feast of tabernacle and this comes in because god's glory is in present in the church the church is unified amen all of god's enemies have been made his footstool all of that um death has been conquered and now the day that sixth day of bringing man into the image and likeness of god has come to an end you know why because the tabernacle of god is with man please understand something okay we explained this before god exists as one amen and he exists in this form on the other side of the throne. And what I mean by that is that the throne of God is not a chair alone, amen? Spiritual things, they function um, differently from the way things function here in the natural, amen? In the realm of the spirit, you can see this menorah, then it transforms and becomes a dove, then later on it becomes a book, amen? And later on from a book, it becomes a river flowing, all right? That is because each of those forms that it assumes, it is letting you know functionalities that each of those forms, amen, speak of. It is capable of assuming or fulfilling any of those functions. It's not limited to that. So for example, I as a human being, I can be the person that fixes your car. So you can see me as a wrench, all right? But at the same time, I can also maybe work on your computer. You can now see me as a software package, clean up, clean up my Mac X or something, okay? You can also see me maybe as an artist. So you see me as a paintbrush, amen? Or a color palette, hallelujah. All of these images you find, as I keep on, depending on what, what, what role I'm adopting right now in our relationship, I will manifest a form that best communicates that to you, letting you know, hey, this is Francis, the artist that's talking. Hey, this is Francis, the developer that's talking. Hey, this is Francis, your friend that's talking. Amen. And so spiritual things, they adopt what, you know, whatever form is necessary to fulfill a specific function, right? For this reason, you would see even throughout the scriptures, amen, 
when things like um, um, the image and likeness of God are being described, you're going to see the image and likeness of God assumes many form depending on the maybe like what is being emphasized, maybe what functionality is being magnified. And even God's throne, which is what we're talking about before, amen, um, you see it's seen as a chair, amen? Normally in the book of, um, let's just jump real quick so we can see that, Revelations chapter 4. Revelations chapter 4 shows us God's throne as a chair, right? Um, Revelations 4 verse 2, immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, amen? The description of this throne is captured in the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. Let's see here. This is Ezekiel's encounter where he saw these, you know, whirlwinds and then the four living creatures come out of them and they had all of these things and da 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 da. And it's all crazy. And as I looked, um, I want to go beyond that. Let's jump real quick. Um, okay. Uh, let's see here. The likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads and under the firmament of their wings um, spread out straight one towards another each one had two which covered one side and blah 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 when they went i heard the noise of their wings like the noise of many waters like the voice of the almighty a tumult like the noise of an army when they stood still they let down their wings and a voice came from above the firmament that was above their heads whenever they stood they let down their wings and above the firmament above their heads was the likeness of a throne an appearance like a sapphire stone. So sapphire is the um, God's throne usually manifests as some kind of, you know, in some kind of sapphire form. So you see God's throne assuming a form, but it's always made of sapphires. Amen. The Revelations 4 experience that John had, amen. The throne he saw, it wasn't explicitly labeled as sapphire, but I can very, very easily show you that it was. And I'm going to show you that by showing you Exodus chapter 24. So in Exodus 24, we're going to see that God's throne manifests not only as a chair, but in Revelations, sorry, in Exodus 24, we see God's throne manifesting, uh, let's start from verse 9, as a platform that God stands on, okay? Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. It was like the very heavens in its clarity. Isn't that so cool? The Bible is letting us know here, amen, that right there, God's throne was a platform, amen? God was standing on this giant crystal and that crystal was God's throne. I would always like to tell people that think of God's throne as like, it'd be a projector that brings forth an image and likeness of God, amen, that creatures can respond to, amen? And that projector is always beaming out what God looks like. And I'm saying that because God cannot actually dwell in anything but himself. Amen. So when we're talking about the tabernacle of God, we're talking about something that's able to house God that cannot be ca captured by creation. I said it before, God is so big, he can't be captured in any one place. And at no point in time can you fully capture who he is. Amen. Without his tabernacle. Amen. So for this reason, God's desire to reveal himself in creation requires that instrument, the tabernacle of God. Amen. And this tabernacle of God, because God can dwell in nothing else but himself, that tabernacle has to look like him. Hence, God's desire in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 to make man in his image and after his likeness. It was God's desire to reveal himself. Amen. 
And the primary way of fulfilling that, amen, was setting up an office in the heavens, right? Bible says that God set up his throne in the heavens, right? And that is that sapphire platform, that sapphire projector, amen, that projects what God, revelation of God to creatures in this present age, amen? That revelation of God in this present age is sufficient for all of the, all of the functionalities that are necessary for this present age to be completed. In the future ages, God will not be manifested from that throne. God is going to be manifested from you and I. To do that, amen, God has laid out seven feasts for us to partake of, amen? Because on the other side of God's throne, amen, God exists as one, but on this side of God's throne, God wants to exist as a community of believers called the tabernacle of God, amen? Now, this desire for God to do this, amen, is prototyped, is, is, has precursors and archetypes scattered all throughout history. In fact, that was the theme of our conference, amen? Um, our recently concluded, um, where it recently has a, <laughs> we stretching it there, huh? September, um, Watchman Prophetic Conference, Christ the, Christ the blueprint of all, future, of all future ages, amen? You see that at different points in time, Christ manifests in a different way, amen? But all of these, when put together, amen, they're meant to form that spiritual dwelling place of God, amen, where God can be seen throughout history, amen? Now, at this point in time, God's desire is actually for the fullness. Everything that God said in the past must be now present, will be present now. Everything that God has said before must be present here. You know why? Because we are coming to the fulfillment or the fullness of times, amen? The end of the age, it speaks about the fullness of times, where all all of the goodness of God was made manifest, amen? Better is the end of a matter than the beginning of a matter, right? And all of the evil must be dealt with, amen? And for all the evil to be dealt with, the evil must be exposed, was made manifest. So for that reason, you would see lights getting brighter and darkness getting darker, amen? For light to get lighter, there will be feasts of light given to those who are sons of light. And for darkness to get darker, there's going to also be celebrations, festivals, amen, of darkness, for citizens of darkness, amen? Now, we as sons of light, amen, we have the responsibility to discover our culture. Where did that word come from? Because you know, I've echoed this before. What we call these feasts, amen, these festivals, these feasts, amen, they're actually ways of, um, that we come into the, the culture of God. Another way of saying is that these, this, these festivals are ways that we come into the civilization of God. Every festival, right, is an explosion of a people's culture. You see music, right, dance, song, right, uh, um, fashion, right, food, language, amen, drum beats, dancing. There is no form of creativity that is not present during festivals, right? The harvest, even the weather, the, the, the ecosystem, right, that, that, that piece of real estate is in. Everything is being thrown at you, right? This is the New Yam Festival. It happens at this point in time. Hence, even time itself is even being emphasized by the festivals, amen? So you see that God's desire to um, initiate us, let's say inoculate, bring us into his civilization, demands that we partake of these feasts, all of these seven feasts, with the hope, amen, that we will not just stop at anyone, but we'll come to the fullness of the feast because we've come to the fullness of the times, where everything that God has, wants to be, God wants everything that he has in store for this age, be put on display. That's a festival. Amen? So you show forth. You see that all throughout the scriptures. And you see that even with darkness. Amen? The language 
used to describe the climax of the feasts of God is called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, when you hear tabernacles, you might think in your mind of a tent alone. But the truth is that the tabernacle is actually, just like I've said before, at different points in time, you're going to see prototypes, amen, of this image and likeness of God. Again, I said before from the beginning, right? God only lives in what looks like him. So for anything to be a tabernacle, it has to look like God, amen? And I was trying to say this before, that behind the throne of God, amen, behind the throne, I say behind the throne because in front of the throne, you see a caricature of who God is. His true form is not known without humanity, amen? So what you see on the throne, that person sitting on the throne is all the fullness of God. I can tell you that without um, feeling any discomfort, knowing, because the Bible is very clear, look at Revelation chapter 20, that um, when God reveals his face, heaven and earth, they flee. The revelation of God's face is something that emerges out of us as believers, amen? That tells me something. At no point in history was the face of God ever made, made known. I said this last time that when Jesus Christ was on the earth, amen, in the gospel, the canonical gospels, he declared who he was. And when Jesus Christ said, I've declared your name to my, to my brethren, that declaration of God's name to, to Jesus' um, 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 brethren, amen, was not explicitly captured in the, in the gospels, amen? It is in the epistles, amen, and actually in the prophetic scriptures. That's what Jesus Christ said, is that um, what Jesus, the declaration of God's name, amen, was made known. Am I, I hope I'm not being too, I, I like when, you know, when, when I teach, when I share, I like to have like a, um, you know, like this um, starter kit of, of terms that we work with for that teaching session. And I want to make sure that everything I'm saying is from that starter kit. If I'm introducing new themes, I like to make sure that there's already a precursor ahead of time. So you don't feel like, where is this coming from? That's how movie writers and script writers work, right? They don't like to scare you with just new things out of nowhere, you know, because of bad storytelling. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So forgive me for that. Um, if I find myself, you know, wanting to make sure that everything is fitting as it should. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Forgive me for that. Okay. But um, when you look at, hallelujah, when you look at, maybe I should phrase it a different way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Throughout time, amen, God's desire to express to, from humanity to come into the image and likeness, okay, his image and likeness, amen, was something that he never shied away from. You would see him pushing as far as he could for humanity to come into the image and likeness of God. And so you see at one point in time, that image and likeness manifests through the tabernacle, an edifice, a horrible caricature of God, but still nonetheless very illustrative. Does that make sense? Very one-dimensional, two-dimensional at best, amen? But at the same time, was able to point out key things that God needed to, for, 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 for him to dwell in, amen? Hallelujah. Now, apart from that, there's other pictures, amen, that God scattered throughout history. There's Solomon's temple. It's another picture of this, right? Amen? There's some other ones that are even more obscure. Jacob's red, um, sleeping on the stone and the stairwell leading to heaven is actually a picture of the tabernacle, Amen? The picture of Jesus Christ resting on the rock, which is the church. Amen. And the stairwell leading to heaven is because the Son of Man has been fully assembled with angels ascending and descending. That's actually a picture of the end of the ages. Amen. Christ comes to rest upon the church. And because of that, the stairwell to heaven is open. Amen. And the angels of God ascend and descend. That's a picture of the end of the ages when Christ comes down and then the heavens are open. Right. There's some other examples. Amen. Apart from Solomon's temple and Jacob um, sleeping on the rock. 
There's also the example of Ezekiel's temple, amen? Even more obscure are examples like Moses' encounter on Mount Sinai, amen? Where Moses himself becomes a picture, amen, of this image and likeness of God. Moses becomes a picture. We know that image and likeness of God is Christ Jesus, right? According to Hebrews chapter one, amen? So Moses becomes a picture of Christ Jesus. And all throughout history, you keep on seeing other archetypes scattered. Why? Because God works all things according to the counsel of his will. God has a very, God is very passionate about his desire to create man in his image and his likeness because God wants to be revealed. God wants to be known. And the only way he can be interacted with, amen, is in his tabernacle, in his dwelling place. Now, I was talking about the tabernacle and things behind the throne because I explained the throne appears in different forms and fashions, amen? And I'm um, different forms and fashion, yes. But has, you know, also illustrate the functionality that it's bringing about. Thrones in ancient cultures many times, um, um, well, let me phrase it like this. Many times, gates, portals, and doors were looked at and referred to as thrones during ancient times because elders of a city, they would sit at city gates. In other words, the throne or the authority of that city was a throne, amen? Or was the gates, that's a better way to say that, okay? So because of that, you can easily see that God's throne is a gate, amen, through which he can be interacted with. I hope that makes sense, amen? There's many scriptures I can use to show you that, but because of time, I'm going to jump into that right now, amen? But you're going to see that when the Lord, amen, reveals himself, his person flows out from his throne as a river, amen? This is a picture of Ezekiel's temple as well, where water gushes out from below the threshold of the temple and flows out. And eventually the water parts into four heads, right? And it goes to the Pison, the Gihon, the Tigris, and the Euphrates, each of these pointing to the four-faced cherubim, and they spread out, amen, the unveiling of God to all of creation, amen? Kind of like the, Jesus Christ, kind of like the blood coming out from your heart and is diverted through your major arteries, right? There's these, I think there's three of them, amen, three major ones, and then they take it to different, different locations. Hallelujah. Two of them, sorry. Hallelujah. Hope everything I'm saying is making sense. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So you see this emphasis. Another one that's a little even more, I mentioned Moses on the, on, the, on the mountain, but even more grand is the actual fulfillment of God's vision, which is humanity, amen, coming into everything that we just spoke about now. Amen. And the name of that reality is called the city of God or the civilization of God. There's many names for it. The book of Revelation is called New Jerusalem. Amen. In, in, um, um, in the Old Testament, it was pointed a reference as Zion. Amen. You see this in Revelations chapter 14. You see this in Revelations, kind of like in Revelation chapter 7. Amen. And all of these references are pointing to the same thing. God's desire for humanity to come into his image and likeness. For this reason, we have the seven feasts of Israel. Does all of this make sense? Hmm. Hallelujah. I'm guessing that's a no, huh? Yes, it does. Okay, good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> that was a very, no, you, Tom and Jerry, when, when um, Tom tried to keep himself awake, he uses like tape and toothpicks to hold his his eyelids up. I had to hold my smile up there with a little bit of extra strength. <laughs> Hallelujah. So um, I have here in my notes, okay? The tabernacle is the civilization or the city of God, amen? And the feasts are to bring us into the experience 
of God's culture. Okay, Ada, you said no. What part don't you understand? Thank you for saying no. I'm really grateful. What part don't you understand? Hallelujah. I love this. Thank you. Amen. Don't be afraid to, if shall mute you so you can speak, let me give you a opportunity to mute yourself. If you want to type, you can type, but feel free, whichever one you want. I'm guessing she's typing. Uh, if I say the entire thing, will you be mad? <laughs> no, I won't be mad. No, no, no. Which, so if you can specify which entire thing don't you understand, like give me like some parts you don't get so I can ham. What, what do you want me to hammer on exactly? Okay, so I came in, I just came in, so I'm lost. So okay. I'm not really following. Yeah. Okay, so let me, I'll give you a quick run through, okay? We've explained how um, Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter one, amen? You keep on seeing an emphasis that God has, amen? In bringing, in releasing his word, amen? And whenever God's word is released, I'm talking so fast. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and slow it down. Okay. All right. Let's let's go about this again. Okay. Genesis chapter one. Amen. When you open Genesis chapter one, you're going to see that whenever God speaks, a new day begins. Amen. And whenever that new day begins, Amen. That thing that God intended would then come to pass. When it comes to pass, that day ends. The evening and the morning are that day. The evening, amen, is when God is about to speak, when it's dark. Morning is when God's word is made manifest. That's fulfillment, all right? And with that, then comes the next day when God is about to speak again, okay? So we can catch it. Please slow down. I will slow down, amen? Hallelujah. So you have all of these days of creation, amen, ending with the fulfillment of that which God has had in his mind, amen? Jesus Christ said it like this, nothing is good but God. And I've rephrased that, Amen. To make it sound like this, nothing is good unless it looks like God. Amen. And you're going to see God always saying at the end of every day, God saw that it was good, making reference to a resemblance to the image and likeness of God. So all throughout creation, God was looking for what? Resemblance to himself. That tells you that God was looking for a tabernacle. God wanted to build something. Amen. The climax of everything is in Genesis 1:26. When God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. This is when God really wanted to get down and serious. Amen. God wanted to build a house for himself. Hallelujah. Now, in order to do that, amen. Hallelujah. The sixth day was given to accomplish this feat. Amen. During that time, time, time frame of six days. Amen. Sorry. During that time frame of the sixth day. That is where all of the civilization of humanity, amen, has found itself. Every single human endeavor has been captured within this day of creation, amen? Now, the way we end this day of creation, hallelujah, is by humanity coming into the image and likeness of God, amen? What does that mean? That means all of God's functionalities will be sufficiently captured by human beings here on the earth for adequate expression. And I'm saying for adequate expression because... Jesus Christ, as he is right now, amen, he can only express the Godhead. He can only express the headship of the church. He cannot express the body, even though he has the body within him. But it has not been given to him to express, amen, the body. We, it's to us, that privilege has been given. We cannot express the head. We are joined to the head. We are one with the head. But we can, the headship of the church belongs to Jesus. I'm sure this is something that we don't have to debate, right? Hallelujah. So for this reason, amen, 
the task is then laid out for the rest of the body, amen, to come into the rest of the expressions of who God is. And all of that is accomplished by us partaking of the seven feasts of the Lord. By partaking of the seven feasts of the Lord, we've shown us, amen, to something called the Feast of Tabernacles. That Feast of Tabernacles, amen, is the end of God's desire in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, when God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So when you get to the Feast of Tabernacles, you are getting to the end of this age. Does that make sense? When you deny, amen, the seven feasts of the Lord, you are allowing this age, this present age to continue. Does that make sense? So it is our responsibility, amen, to, to feast, amen, to celebrate the, the, these festivals of the Lord. And I, I'm, I'm saying it this way because the truth is that the image and likeness of God, amen, as you know, what I've been trying to hammer recently, amen, is something that God has been pursuing all throughout generations, amen? Not just in the first six days of creation, but even throughout this sixth day in the little eras we've experienced, you would see God, amen, at one point, amen, telling Moses to build a tabernacle according to a pattern. Like Pastor Dilly Matthew said, when Moses went up on the mountain and looked and saw the tabernacle constructions, amen, the measurements and all those different things that he saw, the vision of the tabernacle, what he actually saw were eternal truths, amen, which he downloaded, amen, in a form that, was, that sufficiently captured it in that day and time, amen. In our day and time, we're going to look at the same truths that Moses saw, and we are going to pull them down and manifest them. The difference is that in Moses' time, amen, that form, again, because of the, the um, I've explained that the true form that what Moses saw could not have been built to the edifice, right? But because of the hardness of Israel's heart, it could only be built, amen, in a physical structure, amen? So for us, though, hallelujah, upon whom the end of the ages has come, this vision, amen, of the, of, of, of the image of God is going to be built in us, amen? And we've explained that, you know, people that come into this, we call them the man-child company, right? The manifestation of the sons of God. They're called the 144,000. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? And so um, um, you will find that those people, amen, the 144,000, you can call them the tabernacle of God. Because the tabernacle of God, amen, is that desire that God had in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Because the only place that God can inhabit, amen, is something that looks like him. So when God is saying, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, what God desired was a place to inhabit, amen? So the tabernacle gives God his image and his likeness. Very important that we understand this, amen? Can two walk together unless they agree? The agreement necessary for us to walk with God, amen, is that we look and, we look and think like him. We celebrate, we we. We delight, we, we dismiss the same things. We delight in the same things. We enjoy the same things, amen? The festivals of God, amen, bring us into the righteousness of God, the experience of the judgments of God so that we can reason the way God reasons. Basically, we come into God's culture, amen? And isn't that beautiful because other words, use, or, or other forms, amen, that this image and likeness of God is used all throughout creation. We see the city of God as one of them. We see the mountain of the Lord as one of them. Mount Zion is a very strong picture, amen, of the culture, of the civilization, of the temple, of the tabernacle of God. Maybe I should show this to us in the scriptures, amen, um, when the Bible says, um, um, no, um, 
maybe Psalms, yes. Yes, Psalms 46. Okay, let's look at this from the scriptures, not just from Mr. Francis. He's saying all these random words. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. This is actually a reference to Mount Zion. Amen. So that mountain of the Lord, amen, is called the city of God. It's also called the holy place of the tabernacles of God. Do you see that? So you're seeing that that feast of tabernacles can be called the feast, amen, of the city of God. That feast of tabernacles can be called the feast of the image and likeness of God. I hope what I'm saying is making sense. What we're trying to explain here is that that conclusion of the seven feasts of Israel, amen, the seven feasts, the feast of tabernacles, amen, is humanity, all right? Whoever is partaking of that feast is coming into God's desire in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Now, that image, that thing that God is after in Genesis 1, 26, amen, was actually captured in many ways throughout history. That was the, that was the core focus of our theme, amen? our conference, Christ, the blueprint of the future ages. See, each of these letters, they're supposed to be pictures of who Jesus Christ is, where he's spelt out throughout history. You see the first C, like a chalkboard, amen? That is when the download of who Christ is is first received. Then you see like calligraphy, right? The letter H, it looks like the person is writing in cursive, all right? A little bit more skill, a little more finesse, right? Then we look at the R, oh, a typewriter. We see some technological advancement there, all right? The typewriter, mechanical innovation. Then we see the I, it looks like, um, um, you know, like your clock, like your LED, LED number print display, right? I can't remember what the official term for that is. An LED display, I know LCD is one of the terms, liquid crystal display, amen? And you see the S, right, with a higher definition sans serif font, and the T with a futuristic font. The name of that font is ailerons. Um, it's a very futuristic font I use when I want to um, show that something's from the future. Hallelujah. Those are ways that the same thing is spelt out throughout creation. Amen. Now, at each point in time, amen, there is now a sufficient interpretation of God's desire given based on that point in time. We see that in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, right? God in times past spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. But in these last days, God is speaking his son. And we know who the son is, amen, from Hebrews chapter one, because he says that who is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. So in other words, God is speaking the very reality now. So in other words, anyone that wants to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles now, it's not enough for you to go and get a tent and stay outside under the sun or to go and get some harvest or, you know, do the rituals they did in the Old Testament. We need to find out what those eternal truths typified in the Old Testament, what they mean now. Amen. Is this, is this easier to understand? Does this help? I want to get some feedback on this. Amen. I'll continue speaking while I wait for you to give me feedback. Hallelujah. But I hope everyone understands what, we're, what God is after right now is the fullness. 
Amen. The fullness of everything that he said before. Hallelujah. And this fullness is the culture, amen, of Israel. Amen. This fullness, hallelujah, is the civilization of God. This fullness is the city of God. It is Zion. Hallelujah. So when we talk about the seven feasts of God, we don't act like we're, we're heavenly when we are not part. The way you, I love this, um, I love this um, movie, this, uh, this movie series, um, Black Panther. You know, it's part of the MCU, but they kind of have like their own branch of it, basically. I love the emphasis on culture and belonging to a tribe and a people group. There's a like. There's a language. There's a way things are done. There are tradition. There's a way they worship their gods. There's how kings ascend the throne. There's rituals behind everything. Go celebrate the, <laughs> the idolatry captured in some of those things, amen? But I do celebrate the fact that they show that when you are in this place, things function very differently here. People are sick in a different place in the world. When you come to Wakanda, things are slightly different, right? I hope everyone understands what I'm saying. I'm trying to point out the fact that we as believers, we have a way we do things. Or let me phrase it like this. We ought to have a way we do things. For millennia, Christianity has been nothing more than a subset of worldliness, where a Christian and a conservative uh, worldly person are almost no different. It's, in fact, sometimes a conservative worldly person is more Christ-like than the believer, I'm sad to say. And we've all experienced doses of this, right? The reason for all of this is because of a lack of feasting on God. Oh, yay, that's good, that's good. Okay, okay. I hope you understood, though, at least a little bit or whatever. Hallelujah. Hope everyone understands. So it is by partaking of this feast, amen, partaking of these feasts, yay, that's good, that's good, of these feasts, amen, that we come into the culture of God, that we come into the civilization of God. Now, this is very important. And I'll say, I'll say this for many reasons, amen. You know, um, I was talking to my sister today. We were talking about, you know, um, the church world and the desire for fame and, and, and to be relevant in different things and why, why things are so bad and so hard and, and stuff or whatever. And da, 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 da. <laughs> Amen. Because we're looking at different people who are falling away, people in the world that are dying and people who are selling out for the world and, and different things. And even people that we thought, I think she mentioned something about a specific minister of the gospel. And I almost expected that he made a mistake or something bad or whatever. And I was like, so I was like, so encouraged when I, when I found out she didn't say that. I was like, thank God. But she said, you know, why is it that, you know, we don't have, she just felt, you know, really distraught, you know, about a few things. And then we just began to talk and a few words came forth from our discussion. And it was along the lines of the fact that we don't have our culture in Christianity. We don't have our way of doing things. You know, we, 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 you know, we get to minister to a lot of young people and we see, I'm not talking about in the cave community, I'm talking about like on the outside. And we see many young people that they're in sin. It's one thing for you to be in sin and you're trying to come out. It's only for you to be in sin and you're enjoying yourself, okay? There's two different things, okay? Very, very different. I'm saying that because as a believer, many, everyone is going through something that they're trying to come out of right now, right? What I mean by trying to come out of, you, who you are in Christ hasn't dawned on you yet in your soul. And you are intentionally like feasting on God for that revelation to take place. But it's another thing of when you are intentionally drifting away from God, like you're pushing yourself hard away from God. We see a lot of our peers, they come to church, they do all kinds of things or whatever, you know, they celebrate, they lead, they lead worship and different things or whatever. And if you try and confront them about <clears throat> things that they're dealing with, they will fight you with scriptures explaining why they should drink, 
explaining why partying is okay, explaining why it's okay to smoke, you know, some things that are, should be common sense. And, you know, we're just talking like, how come this is such an issue, you know, and how come, da, 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 you know, and then we're talking about like other famous people, basically what was happening, like we're seeing some famous people that were believers before, and they've gone out into the world. And I spoke about how in the church, we don't have, we don't have infrastructure for receiving people that are not accepted. We don't have infrastructure for, for dealing for what to do when someone offends us. We don't have infrastructure for when, or, or even cultural understanding that your pastor can rebuke you and you ought to take it. What is that what I'm saying? How many know that you're supposed to do that? Your pastor can rebuke you harshly and you ought to be able to take it. It will be painful. I don't think there's anyone that's looking forward to getting rebuked. Anyone looking forward to getting rebuked, amen? But there is a way we do things in Zion. If you check the Old Testament, it was so severe. If your son should speak against his father, he should be stoned to death. I remember when I saw that, just pause, I said, Jesus Christ, is this how bad it is to disrespect your parents? I had to make like a, a self, um, a note to self. Don't ever, no matter how bad things are, no matter how, what is that, ever allow some thoughts into your head again about anyone in a leadership position in your life. I don't even understand what I'm saying. Because it's very clear from the culture of Israel that these things are an abomination. But you can see a believer, amen, carrying their pastor's name in the dust and destroying him for whatever reason. Whatever reason. There's many reasons to go and disobey God's laws. Amen. How I many of there's many reasons to disobey God's laws? We can give ourselves sufficient reasons to disobey what God has said. But when you understand culture, when there's civilization, some things will be in place. Beloved, there is a way we do things. I'm not, I'm not even talking about like Zion Tech. I'm not even talking about like um, um, New Jerusalem technology or our sophisticated wisdom or our, new, our form of education or even our philosophy, amen, our advanced ways of thinking, our ways of, of our supernatural pathways, amen, cardiognosis and all those different things. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about similar things like our morals, right? Character, character traits, culture, tradition. <laughs> we, we, we almost don't have any in the church. And if, you're, if you see a believer feeling cheated for holding on to the ways of his ancestors, imagine your friends are, are mocking you for forgiving someone that the Bible says you ought to forgive, and you're doing it wholeheartedly. There's, there's one that hit me recently. I was going to say, Man of God, recently, he was talking about how he prayed for a witch, a wizard that tried um, casting a spell on him. And when he did that, he was with another minister of the gospel. After he finished praying for him, um, he released him, like he forgave him with his heart. And he went home. On his way home, after that ministry trip, the man of God that was with him, I asked him, man of God, did the Holy Ghost ask you to pray for that man, like to forgive him and everything? He said, yes, the Bible, the Bible says forgive I didn't say the Bible, but I said, did the Holy Ghost ask you? <laughs> and the man of God that was preaching said, <laughs> his goal was to, you know, kind of, play around with, with his words so as to get to explain something to this dude or whatever. While he was explaining to the dude, he just got this wind, this perception. They were going on a windy road to change lanes. As soon as he changed lanes, a truck, a man, a giant 18-wheeler truck that was out of control just came and wiped the car that was right behind them. <laughs> Do you know that as soon as he did that, the man of God that was asking him in the car, like if he got that leading from the Holy Spirit. You know what he did? He said, you see, I told you, I told you, I told you, I told you. 
Hallelujah. I learned something from that, from that teaching. You know why? I learned something. In our culture as believers, forgiveness is our culture. There is a way we do things, beloved. There is a way. Now, it's not just that we just read the Bible and then we do what it says. That would be wonderful if we could do just that, right? <laughs> Amen. But there's a place of being enriched, amen, in the spirit of the word. I love this movie, um, um, this Black Panther movie series. Because when you become the king, you don't just go through all the rituals and do all the things. You have to drink something. They give you this potent liquid. When you drink it, you go and meet your ancestors. You go and connect with your roots. You go and connect with your tribe. And they will meet with you and communicate to you the testimony of your lineage. As believers, we ought to connect with our ancestry. We ought to connect with our culture. It is so vital. If not, beloved, we are not going to be able to experience what being a member of the civilization of God is. We can be a member, just like, you know, I have friends, you know, people ask me questions, you know, like when I first came out from America, my accent was so, I had a very strong American accent when I first came out from, from the U.S., and when I came back, people were shocked that I grew up and I was raised in Nigeria. Like, how did your accent change so strong that they have friends that I've been in America for 30 years, longer than I have. I was in America for maybe like, um, maybe eight years, thereabouts, maybe eight or nine, maybe 10. I can't remember how, how long exactly, but I, I go back and forth still. And um, whenever they would tell me that, I'll tell them, when they are in this America you're talking about, who are they hanging out with? Because people think that um, different, like, Coming to Nigeria, like Nigeria is this place, like as in where I am right now in Nigeria, I'm in Lagos, Nigeria. People think of Nigeria is this place. Nigeria is the people, the way they talk, the things they do, the food they eat, the movies they watch, the songs they listen to, the things they celebrate. That is Nigeria. It's not a location. This is why the prayer of Jesus Christ, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is so crucial. Because God's kingdom is not a place. Jesus Christ said the kingdom of God is not here or there. It is within you. Beloved, Nigeria is a people. That's why you'd see, <laughs> you know, when, when, I, when I first, when I, when I was um, living in the U.S., I, there, were, there were no other Nigerian people um, where, I, where I was at. And um, I had a few friends um, that took me. Um, and they really liked me a lot and they wanted to teach me how to communicate because they thought I was a really funny guy. And so they wanted me to communicate very clearly. So my friend would tell me, don't say like this, say like this, say, don't say like this, say like this. And he literally would tutor me, not, not actively, but passively. When I say something that's funny, he'd be like, don't say that, that's wrong. That's bad English, speak like this. And he, will, he helped me clear out some bad pronunciation of, pronunciation of words, okay? Now, that was how he helped me so I could communicate like fluently and speak really, really fast the way I do, <laughs> amen? Um, and that's how my, how come my accent changed so, so drastically. Okay. Now someone else would be in, in, in Nigeria. Okay. But then they go to America, but when they go to America, like I know a young lady called, um, Stephanie Ike, anyone know Stephanie Ike? She ministers in, um, CDG's, um, missing TD Jake's daughter's church. I think is the Potter's house or Potter's church or something. It's called one. When I listen to this girl, she's been in, in America now since she, she was, I think six or seven years old. This girl's Nigerian accent is heavily, is still intact. It's so strong. I can hear when she's preaching. She sounds, she sounds like she just arrived in the US like maybe like two years ago. Now, the reason why she's doing that is not because she just arrived two years ago, it's because she is still talking to her Nigerian brothers and sisters. 
And so what happens is that they are influencing the way she speaks. Beloved, we ought to be in dialogue with our Hebrew brothers and sisters, our yonder brothers and sisters, our ancestry, our genealogy. Now, there are rituals that we ought to be, be partakers of, participators in. If anyone's understanding what I'm saying, like if you don't partake of these things, there is no way, there is no way you can, you can live this Christian life. Even the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, the Bible says we'd be called to drink of the same spirit. So all of us, our ancestors, we all have the same spirit. God is telling you, come and drink. The drinking of the spirit of God is captured in these seven feasts. I hope you understand what I'm saying. That is, the, that is the spirit of the civilization of God. That is the spirit of the civilization of Zion. If we do not partake of these feasts, beloved, we will not be able to live out, amen, our culture. We will not be able to live out our life. We will not be able to live like Jesus. Amen. Living like Jesus is not just telling people that they're nice and smiling at everyone and hugging them. As wonderful as that is, that is not going to hold a candle when Satan comes knocking at your door. We need to be established, rooted, and grounded in our civil, in our culture, in our traditions. To do that, there are prescriptions. The seven feasts of Israel. Now, I, I, my goal with everything I have to say here is to conclude on the seven feasts of Israel. Amen. Show that the tabernacle of God is the city of God. Amen. Show that the city of God is the image and likeness of God. So the image and likeness of God speaks about Zion, the mountain of the Lord. Anyone that climbs to that peak, amen, is at the peak, at the zenith, at the mountain of the Lord. And because of that, they have the Father's name on their forehead. They look like God. Amen. So the tabernacle, the temple, the image, the likeness, the mountain, they are all the same thing, the civilization, the culture, the image and likeness of God. They're all saying the same thing. So the seven feasts of God bring us to the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the Feast of the Image of God, which is the Feast of the City of God, which is the Feast of the Civilization of God, which is the Feast of the Mountain of the Lord, which is the Feast of the Culture of God. So these seven festivals, beloved, are to bring us into our Christ-likeness. Remember I spoke about the Feast of Trumpets, how it's almost like your, your Jesusness is shouting at you. If you don't partake of Pentecost, you can't experience that. Amen? And we see believers struggling with all kinds of things all over the world. Not because they're bad people, but because they're not being fed. They're not eating. They're not drinking. And it doesn't matter how human you think you are. If you see a human being that is impoverished. Hallelujah. Amen. I hope this has blessed you. Amen. We want to connect, amen, the seven feasts with our culture, with our heritage, with our ancestry, amen. From next week, amen, we'll be shifting gears, amen. We've spoken about the seven feasts exhaustively, amen. I don't think there's anyone that, given if you've been attending Word for Now, you should not be an alien to the seven feasts of Israel at all. You should be very conversant. We even have Pastor Lee Matthews come in. Papa jumped in as well um, last week, right? And we really went in um, to the seven feasts and really discussed their significance. Amen. So many wonderful things were said. You can go watch last week's session on our Facebook page if, if you're missing that. It's going to be on our Telegram group as well. Amen. Beloved, there is so much, amen, that God has in store for us. This book is not for your pillow. This book is for your heart. Put God's word inside. So that we can live out this culture and end this God-forsaken age. Do you know how many young people are suffering? 
I saw this, um, I really don't know these celebrities, so I'm not speaking because I'm worldly. I saw this celebrity, um, Selena Gomez. She's been haunted. This girl, I think she's the one my sister was talking to me, but I think it's her. She used, she used to be a believer before-ish, you know, but she was on Disney Channel. She got raped while she was there, tried reporting it, nothing happened. And, you know, stuff with that. Began hanging out with the wrong crowd. Eventually took off her purity ring. Went, in, uh, went off into the world. She dated like all these older men that look like evil spirits. <laughs> Excuse me. And right now, you would hear her saying things like um, how she just has accepted mental health. She talks with aliens from time to time. She doesn't even know what voice is talking to her. You know, she's basically being demon possessed and she's publicly, you know, being um, relaying that information to everyone and a lot of people to, you know, investigate her life. So she's like a subject matter. The humanity is, you know, the media is investigating her demonic possession. That young girl was a believer once, right? If she would receive the feeding of the Holy Spirit, if she would receive, amen, this diet I got to subscribe for her, she would not be having those experiences. You see many believers in, in, in you know, popular places and see people who call themselves Christians and they're, they're on billboards, they're in, in you know, different places, you know, the market, taking the marketplace for God, amen? But they're compromising and they're not, they're not seeking help. They're not getting help that they need, but they're compromising and they do things that are horrible. But God loves them. So a, a, a lesbian rapper, God loves her. And she's actively you know, promoting LG, the LGBTQ agenda because God loves her whether she's gay or not. Believers need to be fed. And the truth is that we can look at them and cascade them all we want, but are we, are we beloved, are we being fed? Are we getting into this thing? Are we drinking the spirit? Hallelujah. So we're gonna jump in next week into our ancestry, into our heritage. Again, on this trajectory we've been on since the Watchman Prophetic Conference of Christ, the, the blueprint of the future ages, amen? Pastor Francis Seaborg sends you his love and his greetings. Um, thank you all so much for joining us for these times of jumping into the word. This is Word For Now, one of our Chris Rivers expressions that takes place on Mondays and Wednesdays. Our next expression is going to be this Friday. We haven't had open book study in a while because of our prayer stretches. That's right, we had a prayer stretch, excuse me, um, last week. Um, it was glorious. And after that, we had the Lamb's Wife um, prayer retreat. That also was amazing. Papa ministered on our heritage. Um, that message will also need to be made available. That message was really powerful. Um, but um, also on the lookout to be on the lookout also for our next prayer stretch that will be happening from the 1st of December to the 3rd of December. Um, today, while I think I like, I'll say while I was praying-ish slash watching a message. I feel like I got like a schedule going. So I feel like it's going to be a little bit more structured than before. And by structure, I mean, we're going to lean into a lot of prayer stretching, like a lot more stretching than we did last time. Last time we had stretches, but 24 hours is not enough to really do. <laughs> Unless you're doing like one long stretch from beginning to the end, which you, you basically want to be doing that with only your friends that you know are going to actually be doing that with you. Otherwise, you're going to get discouraged really quickly. Um, but for this, we have something more structured in place. So we're looking forward to that. Look at the graphic of the girl stretching. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. Um, uh, we have our watches starting tomorrow morning from 6 a.m. to 7. 
pray for Nigeria at 7.30 and wait for it. Immersion, Father of Lights, you can register right now. And we are looking forward to many young people getting blasted by the power and the glory and the presence and so much more. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. This has been Francis Seaboard Jr. Um, bringing forth a measure um, by the grace and mercy of God. And I hope that you were blessed by all of this. Jesus loves you. Have a good night. <laughs>